So today is um, today is uh, Transfiguration Sunday, and as I mentioned to the children, it gets its name from this uh, this uh, event that occurred that we really don't know much about. At least it doesn't answer the questions that I would I would ask. You know, if you think about it, um, it's it's it was clearly something that the people in the early church found. Um, important. It's found in three of the four biographies of Jesus. It might even be hinted at at the beginning of John's uh, biography. It's in uh, at least one of the um, the epistles pretty explicitly. And then, again, there's hints of it in some of the other epistles. It's an event that the early church found very important, and yet they don't tell us as much about it as we might like. Uh, it, it, we, we read that, that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the top of a high mountain, and he was transfigured in front of them, or transformed in front of them. And we, we might think, well, what does that mean? What, what, what happened to him? And it says, let me tell you about his clothes. And it's like, well, I really don't care much about his clothes, but I'm curious, what does it mean that he was transformed before him? And, and it doesn't tell us. And instead it tells us his clothes are nice. It, it, it's a strange, it's a strange event that it doesn't tell, that, that it's so significant to them. It was such a remarkable event, and yet they don't tell us the, the first thing that we would like to know is, what do you mean by transformed? We're not told. And if you think about it, you know, sometimes the Bible actually explains things, and, you know, Jesus will tell a parable to something, and then it'll say, later on, his disciples came to him and said, what on earth did you mean by that? So, so sometimes Jesus explained his parables because they, they went over the disciples' heads. Um, and, and this one is not explained. Nowhere is the transfi- transfiguration explained. The, um, the, the, sometimes a, a miracle would happen and you might say, well, how did that happen or what does that signify? And then it happens again, like Jesus feeds a multitude with bread, and then a while later he feeds a different multitude with bread. And so you could say, well, I still don't really understand it, but at least I can say there's kind of a pattern here. But this is, this is a single event. There's no way of saying, well, it's like, you know, it's like that or like the other thing. It's just this event that stands on its own. It's, it's, it is truly a strange event. And, and, it, it tells us that that you know Jesus was transformed, but but not what we would like to know. And then it says, oh, and by the way, not only were his clothes transformed, but Moses and Elijah showed up too. And and we go, okay, but again, that's nice, Moses and Elijah. I'm glad to hear that. But but what happened? And and uh, they're not told. You know, I, I imagine if the um, if the other disciples, if if if. Uh, Peter, James, and John had gone down the, the hill, they probably would have said, um, guess who we saw up there, right? But instead, they, they, they didn't tell anybody about what, what really happened. So, so it's an interesting passage because it doesn't tell us the things we might want to know or kind of that we might be curious about. But on the other hand, it tells us uh, the answers to two questions that are central to our faith. And so I think that the, the whole idea of focusing on the transfiguration is kind of, kind of a, a it, it sends us off in the wrong direction, I think, if we say what happened on the transfiguration, the Mount of Transfiguration or whatever, because, because what happens really is not this remarkable event where Jesus changes somehow, but a voice from the clouds speaks and gives the answers to two questions that are central to our faith. Who is Jesus and what should we do about it? And this is an authoritative statement 
from God, the voice from the cloud tells us if we're in any doubt, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know how to reconcile this passage of scripture with, with what Paul says in this letter or whatever. It wasn't in red letters in my Bible. This is in uh, the, the voice of God himself speaking to those who are listening that, that he says who, who Jesus is and what we should do about it. So who is Jesus? So we read, um, in verse seven, this cloud overshadows them and a voice spoke from the cloud. This is my son whom I dearly love. So, so if you think about that, here they are on this, on this mountain and you know, for us, 2,000 years later, we would say, okay, well, of course, Jesus is the important one. But if you're Peter, James, and John, you're going, wait a minute, Moses and Elijah up here on this mountain, this is amazing. Moses, the, the man who led, who led, um, Israel out of their slavery in Egypt through the wilderness, went up on the mountain to get the tablets of the law from God. That Moses, you know, kind of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln rolled into one. That Moses was up on the mountain. And not only that, so was Elijah. Elijah, the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. You can imagine that if they had gone up on that, I mean, if they had come down from the mountain, they probably would have said, guess who we saw up on that mountain? And the other disciples would have been green with envy because, you know, who, who would, who would imagine that you could have a chance to see Moses and Elijah? So the most important people in their, in their nation's history and God says, yeah, but they don't, they don't even matter. As important as they are, they're nothing in comparison to Jesus, who is my son. So the answer, who is Jesus? He is the son of God. And what do you do about it? Well, he says, listen to him. So that is the application. In light of the fact that Jesus is God's son, what should we do? We should listen to him. Now, that may seem obvious, but you know, if you stop and think about it, suppose I told you that after the service, Jesus is going to be at a table downstairs, and you can ask him any question you want, and he'll answer it. Would you go? I would hope you'd get up now, try to beat the rush, right? Because we have questions. We want to know. You know, there, there's 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 questions we have. You know about you know anything, our finances, our relationships. Our health, you know, how is this going to turn out? What should I do in the meantime? We've all got questions, and and Jesus knows the answers. And so God says, listen to him. Well, of course we should listen to him. And yet, we don't always do it. Somehow, it would be somehow more real or better if if Jesus showed up at a table downstairs. But but he's, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to promise this, but I don't think he's going to be there after after worship, um, except perhaps in some spiritual sense. Um, but but we can nevertheless listen to what he has to say. So so this is this is uh, both a, an instruction and an invitation to us. God is saying, "Hey, this is my son whom I love. You know, listen to him because he can he can answer your questions about me, about you." About how we're related to each other. So, so he says, he says, listen to them. And that, that is, that is the application. I'm, I'm not the world's smartest preacher, but I know if God says do this, I'm not going to come up with a different application and say, yeah, but that's not the important thing. So, um, so I'm going to tell you that is the important thing from this passage. Listen to Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we actually go about listening to Jesus? Well, 
I love this this account, Mark's account of of um, what happened immediately after this event. They've just been told to listen to Jesus, and they head down down to the um, the valley below. And if you read in verse nine through eleven, this is the answer to the question: How do I listen to Jesus? So it says, as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them not to tell anyone what they had seen until after the human one had risen from the dead. So he gives them this instruction. And, uh, you know, the human one, and, you know, we could get into who that is and so forth. But they, they kept it to themselves. They did what he said. They were listening that much. But then they start going, what did he say? What is this rising from the dead business? Do, do you understand that? They start asking each other, what is this? What did he say? So the first thing, the first way we listen to Jesus is we, Consult his word. What did he actually say? So we read the scriptures. So the way you listen to Jesus is by listening to the word of God. The scriptures are God breathed for our, for our edification. So we listen to Jesus by reading the Bible. The other thing, um, is it says they asked Jesus, what do the legal experts say that he, why do the illegal experts say that Elijah must come first? So they've got questions. They say, you know, I understand from some people they, they, they've interpreted this passage and they say whatever. We can ask Jesus, is that true? You know, what, what should I, should I believe the people who tell me this passage is about such and such? We can bring our questions to Jesus directly. We can pray and we can say, you know, Lord, help me to understand this passage because I've heard it means this. I've heard other people say it means that. So we can do just like the disciples. And we can ask our questions, so we can pray. And the other thing is, it says they. Uh, our translation says they kept it to themselves, wondering. And um, you, you could say uh, that that themselves kind of works in both directions. So they kept the the event to themselves, but then they wondered to themselves. So they're they're having this conversation among them, among each other, and they're saying. What, what is he getting at here? So you can discuss it with other people, other followers of Jesus. You can say, hey, this is the way that sounds to me. I think he said, you know, something about rising from the dead. You can, you can bounce your thoughts off other Christians. And so I want to really encourage you, if you're not in a Bible study of some kind with other Christians, consider being in one because, um, because they are good for you. And there's a great example right here of people doing that. They're puzzled. What Jesus said was not obvious to them. And so they ask each other, you know, did I even hear that right? Am I sure that I understand what it means? They're, they're talking to other Christians. They're bouncing ideas off each other. So one of the things, you know, I encourage you to be part of one of our Bible studies. We've got a, we've got a, a men's Bible study that meets here in this church, um, on Tuesday mornings. There's another one that, um, for, for women that meets over at Trinity that we're part of, um, on uh, Wednesday mornings. So there's those. There's uh, Jill's Bible study, which is right now, right now um, it is uh, not particularly Bible-oriented, except in the sense that that uh, the Scriptures teach us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so as we study the human microbiome, we understand that, that the, the psalmist was actually correct about that. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So so there's ways we can discuss what it is we're, we're learning um, and we can discuss it not only with the people we know. We're part of a movement that goes back 2,000 years. We can consult other generations. We can say, what did they think it meant? What did people 400 years ago or, or 1,200 years ago, what did they think 
this passage meant. We can actually, um, we can actually consult other Christians from previous generations. And today with the internet, we have access to all the great libraries of the world. We can actually find out what it was that, that St. Augustine had to say about a passage of scripture. So, so we can do that. But the important thing is not the how, it's that we do it. That we listen to Jesus. When we, when Jesus, when Jesus says to, that, that the, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected, we need to listen to Him. When He says that my house will be a house of prayer for all nations, we need to listen to Him. When Jesus says to love your enemies, we need to listen to him. When he says, take up your cross daily and follow me, we need to listen to him. But we can also listen to him when he tells us things that are reassuring and, and fill us with hope. When when he says that um, if you put my words into practice, then your house will be um, established on rock and it will survive when the storms come. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We should listen to Jesus. So, we're about to enter into the season of Lent, and I encourage you to make a point of listening to Jesus during Lent. Instead of instead of giving something up this Lent, let me encourage you, take up something. Take up a practice of intentionally, daily listening to Jesus. So I, I counted, I've got a computer, and I counted how many words there are, I mean how many verses there are in Mark's Gospel. There's 300 verses, 300 and 16 or something, I forget. Uh, but about, but, but about 300. And there's 40 days in Lent because we don't count Sundays. So 40 days, 300 words, uh, 300 verses. If you read 10 verses a day, you will get through the whole Gospel of Mark in, in the course of Lent. Um, if, if you've got a study Bible and there's all that stuff at the bottom, you know, the footnotes and so forth, um, it's probably about 40 pages. It's going to be about 40 pages. So read a page a day. This is not an onerous task. But but listen to Jesus. Read read the Gospel of Mark and listen to Jesus in its pages. And then ask questions. You know, write down questions. What do you mean by this? That's that's one way you can get into prayer is by actually saying, "What do you mean by this?" And then listening to see if Jesus has anything to tell you. So so read the Bible. Read the Word of God, Jesus, what He has to tell you, and Ask your questions of him and see what happens. So that is that is my encouragement to you during Lent. We have one more thing. We're going to install officers today. We believe the way our church is organized, we believe that that um, that one of the ways we listen to uh, Jesus is we listen to the people that Jesus has calling to lead our church. So we're going to install some of our leaders today. They're not the only leaders we have, but we're going to install them. And so one of the ways we can, we can um, listen to Jesus is by listening to the people that Jesus is calling into positions of leadership. So these are different ways we can listen to Jesus. But the important thing is not that Jesus looked like a bug or grew wings or whatever else happened that day. The important thing is that God told us who he is. He is the Son of God, and that we should therefore listen to him. So listen to Jesus. Let's pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you for clarifying in our minds who it is that Jesus really is that has great and holy figures as Moses and Elijah were.
they cannot compare to Jesus, who is your unique son whom you love. Help us to trust him and listen to what he has to say. Help us to find people that we can discuss what we're learning. And help us, Lord, to find the words to ask questions so that he can teach us even as he taught his disciples. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.